heard about extra here on Counterspin. The show is engineered by Kelly Spivey at Mercer Media. With me is Steve Randall. I'm Janine Jackson. Thanks for listening to Counterspin. Lesson 13, Pandora Continued. 21, Offend. Pandora did not want to offend the god, so she took the box without asking questions. Pandora did not want to hurt the feelings of, displease the god, so she took the box without asking questions. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. This is Pandora's Lunchbox on WCBN FM Ann Arbor. We're listening to music of, appropriately enough, the Butterfat Trio. The music of the Butterfat Trio, which is food. This is a food show, Pandora's Lunchbox. And no God's feelings were hurt in the making of today's show. Usually this is a show about food, and it really is, I think. Maybe today. But... Coming up on Sunday, it's going to get up to about 90, 92, 93, 93.4 degrees or something like that. We're going to have a real summer day this summer. Imagine that after a summer full of moderate weather. The first day of summer is going to be this Sunday, officially. Wish I could explain how my brain got cooked even before that day, but in the meantime... Oh, hi, this is Mike. By the way, uh, that wasn't the usual Pandora's Lunchbox theme. And uh, neither is this. Beautiful woman in the land. Now I'm falling. 
Like electricity running through my body You just make me jump like I'm going crazy You're so sweet, you're so nice You just make me feel like I'm in paradise Pandora, I'm gonna love you forever Pandora, I'm gonna love you forever Finally, she could no longer resist seeing what was in the mysterious box. Always be the main attraction, commanding attention, causing a sensation all in Canada, America, and London. People talking about this featuring Begonian woman, and on Panorama Night, when you see a hold she tight, I don't want to let you out of my sight. Like electricity flowing through my body, you just make me jump like I'm going crazy. You're so sweet, you're so nice, you just make me feel like I'm in paradise. Pandora, I'm gonna love you forever. Pandora, I'm gonna love you forever. Ooh. Nope, definitely not the theme from Pandora's Lunchbox there, but that was called Pandora. Spelled P-O-N-D-O-R-A, would you believe? And that is an artist named Protector. That is from a Calypso collection called Best of Strakers 97. S-T-R-A-K-E-R-S. And this is Pandora's Lunchbox, a show about food or whatever it is that happens to run across my brain at the moment. You should know that a lot of exciting things are happening right now. Some of them actually involve food. Food is actually pretty good. I mean, if you're in West Virginia, if you're going to... Buck Hannon, West Virginia, and I know a lot of you are this weekend. Bargain-minded dealer, deal hunters, can rejoice. West Virginia's largest yard sale has begun. The annual affair runs Thursday through Saturday in Upshur and Lewis counties, drawing discerning shoppers from across West Virginia and neighboring states. Buck Hannon City Councilwoman Jerry Henderson says about 115 sales are registered in Upshur County and about 40 in Lewis County. But if history is any guide, she says, there are usually two to three unregistered sales for every registered seller. Last year, visitors to the sale came from Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, Kentucky, and all across West Virginia. I don't see Michigan in there now, folks. Come on. Go to West Virginia to the world's, the West Virginia's largest yard sale. Speaking of large things, actually, there is a closer option. You could go to the Humongous Fungus Fest. Yes, you could go to the Humongous Fungus Fest 
up in the UP. Crystal Falls, Michigan is the place. It begins today and runs through Sunday. It celebrates an ancient fungus that covers about 37 acres, and it features a parade concert and other festivities. Now, what about this humongous fungus, you might ask? You can actually look it up on the web at crystalfalls.org and find out about it. The humongous fungus, it says here, is perhaps the world's largest and oldest living organism. It covers 38 acres. Hmm, I thought they said 37. This is getting fishy. It's beneath an Iron County forest near the Wisconsin border. It's believed to be anywhere between 1,500 and 10,000 years old, and it believes it's believed to weigh about 100 tons, about the same as an adult blue whale. It's the species called Armor. Armillaria bulbosa, Armillaria bulbosa, and the mushrooms it produces are commonly called honey mushrooms. Mm. The mushroom is the only edible part of the fungus. Armillaria bulbosa is very common, occurring in hardwood forests in North America, Europe, and Japan. The fungus was discovered by Myron Smith and James Anderson, both of the University of Toronto. They came across the fungus while doing research for the U.S. Navy in 1988. Although everyone wants to see the humongous fungus for themselves, no such luck, folks. It's mostly underground, except for tiny offshoots that poke through the surface in the fall, edibles commonly known as button or honey mushrooms. People are generally disappointed if they actually go to the site looking for the big mushroom. It says here, according to Johann Brunn, during a guided tour of the area, the fungus is an integral part of the ecosystem, feeding on decayed wood and producing carbon dioxide essential for the process through which plants generate life-giving oxygen. Without organisms such as this, it wouldn't take long before life on Earth would cease. The humongous fungus festival is coming up in Crystal Falls in the Upper Peninsula this weekend. Actually, it started today, folks. So if you're not going to make it to West Virginia for the West Virginia's largest yard sale, then you need to go up north to the Humongous Fungus. We're going to talk about some of the events going on there. They've got the softball game. They've got the strongman competition. They've got the parade, the, the mushroom parade, all kinds of events, in fact. And... It's happening this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. The fungus made the national news, and even the late night with David Letterman says here. They picked up on the fun with top ten facts about the fungus. Here's a couple of them. Elvis once had staff try to bulldoze it onto a 40-acre pizza. Sections of it used to make William Shatner's hairpiece. Might be an old YMCA they forgot to disinfect. Oh, okay, moving right along. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. And I am Mike, and there's not much that you can do about that, so sorry. But in the meantime, I'm in a Calypso mood because it's going to be 90 degrees plus on Sunday, and I'm not going to wait till then to cook my brain. Speaking of cooking... It was a eating competition... That took place quite up in Scotland. It was this eating competition that took place quite up in Scotland. People from all about enter, including a Obia man from in Maruga. They gave the prize to one Mr. Torn. I never see a man eat so since a ball. He eat nine bowls of cuckoo, ten bunch of fig, a whole bag of rice and a half a pig. 60 slices of dashi and 14 pounds of meat And stretching his hand for more food to eat
200 contestants enter in this competition. But when Mr. Thorn start to eat, the contestants and them catch cold feet. They start to drop out one by one. The Obia man jump up and mention, to eat with this man we lose already. Is a spirit he have inside his belly. He eat 18 pounds of edos, 19 pounds of yam, six roast bread fruit and bought 12 boiled ham, grapefruit juice and all. He drink 12 big mug. If you see how this man eating like a hog. Myself wanted to compete when I see so much food they to eat. Mr. Thorn was too hard to beat, so I decided was to retreat. He showed the judges that he was able. He eat everything on top the table. He even eat what the people left over and still drink a whole bucket of ice water. He eat. 200 mangoes, 90 fried chicken. He eat all the bones, the seed, and the skin. He drag off his old hat and wipe his face. Telling the people, look, I hate to see good food ways. Believe me, friends, that same evening, they have to stop this man from eating. They announce him as the winner, as number one champion eater. The judges rarely acted wise. They even gave him the consolation prize. But then they asked him how his stomach feeling. He tell them that he now feel like eating. 60 slices of fried fish, 18 bowl of peas. Water bread, 90 pounds of cheese, six big sponge cake, 4,000 beef pie, and up to now this man still less satisfied. Okay, I'm stuffed, folks. That was the eating competition. That's from the album called The Univ- University of Calypso. It's by Andy Narrell and Relator. When I first saw his name, I thought it was Realtor, and I thought, well, there's a brave position these days considering the economy. But no, Relator. That is Andy Narrell, the steel pan master and Calypso legend, Relator from their album University of Calypso, and that was... An eating competition, and as I said, I'm full, I can hardly move. And you'll note that it was a Scotsman that won that competition. Well, there's an interesting connection to that and to a lot of things going on right now relating to food. I just mentioned the Humongous Fungus Fest, and I want to mention that they have the Strongman competition. I think I told you about that already. A new feature this year, including a farmer's walk, overhead lift, cone and wheel, stone lift, and a mystery event. Hmm... Also, a new feature is the pickup chicks deadlift for all divisions. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. But here we go. Here's the thing. You want to talk about Scottish food. You want to talk about something that is known to be Scottish food, a legendary Scottish food. I'm talking about haggis. 
Haggis is made from a mixture of oatmeal, liver, heart, and lungs. It is truly, utterly Scottish. To a Haggis is a poem read by Robert Burns. We played that earlier this year for the Burns Festival, Burns being the national Scottish poet, writing a song about Haggis, lyric, a lyric about Haggis. I don't know if I've heard anybody sing it, but one that captures the Scottish character. Or is it Scottish? Uh-oh. So this is from ITN. English haggis claim shocks Scots. Haggis makers in Scotland have leapt to the defense of the country's signature dish after claims that it was first made in <gasps> England. Food historian Catherine Brown said she found references to the dish in a book called The English Huswife, dated 1615. That's H-U-S-Wife. But she said the first mention she could find of Scottish haggis was later in 1747. Ms. Brown said the book indicates that haggis was first eaten in England and subsequently popularized by the Scots. But butcher Robert Patrick from Patrick's of Camelon in Falkirk said, I find it hard to believe. I think we can still call it Scottish. There could well be some recipe in England that's similar. And there you go. Now, somebody else was saying on the radio the other day, well, apple pie might not have originated in America, but hey, American is apple pie. They still say that. So haggis is Scottish. Whether, in fact, it was originally found in the English Huswife. In the meantime, I found a recipe from the English Huswife from a website called goadcookery.com. I don't know what this is for, but I'm going to read it to you because it's like poetry. Take a half pound of rice and steep it in new milk a whole night, and in the morning drain it and let the milk drop away. Then take the best, sweetest, and thickest cream and put the rice into it and boil it a little and set it to cool an hour or two and after put in the yolks of half a dozen eggs, a little pepper, cloves, mace, currants, dates, sugar, and salt. And having mixed them well together, put in a great store of beef suet, well beaten and small shred, and so put it into the frames and boil them as before showed and serve them after a day old." That is from The English Huswife, from a book written in 1615. Speaking of which, Scotland may not be able to claim that it originated the haggis. Maybe so, maybe not. We can't definitively produce that in our laboratories here, the factoids, that is. But you know what comes originally from Scotland, says one fella? That would be chicken tikka masala. Now, this is interesting. A chef from Glasgow claims he invented the curry dish, chicken tikka masala, He's pressing the European Union to give it protected designation of, or, of origin status alongside the likes of champagne, parma ham, and Greek feta cheese. You see, you can't call it Greek feta cheese if it's made in Spain or something like that because, according to the European Union, Greek feta is protected. It has to be actually made in Greece to be called Greek feta cheese. But chicken tikka masala... The Ali family, owners of the Shish Mahal restaurant in Glasgow, said they came up with the creamy, mildly spicy curry in the 1970s to please the Scots, but then it went on to become the most popular dish in British restaurants. Chicken tikka masala was invented in this restaurant. We used it to make chicken we used to make chicken tikka, and one day a customer said I'd take some sauce with that. This is a bit dry, said Ahmed Aslam Ali, sixty-four, founder of Shish Mahal. We thought we'd better cook the chicken with some sauce. So from here we cooked chicken tikka with the sauce that contains yogurt, cream, and spices. It's a dish prepared according to our customers' taste. Usually they don't take hot curry. That's why we cook it with yogurt and cream. Although it's difficult to prove definitely where it originated, the dish is generally regarded as a curry adapted to suit Western tastes. And an NMP, a member of Parliament from Glasgow, has taken steps to gain European Union legal protection for the curry that recognizes it as a local specialty. 
Tikka masala is perhaps one of the earliest examples of the modern fashion for fusion cuisine, said Mohamed Sarwar, who tabled a motion in the House of Commons earlier this month calling for EU protection. I am very hopeful that the EU will give chicken tikka masala the official stamp of Glasgow origin, said the Labour MP. Supporters of the campaign point to the fact that former Foreign Minister Robert Robin Cook once described it as a crucial part of British culture. Cook said in 2001 in a speech on British identity, Chicken tikka masala is now a true British national dish, not only because it is the most popular, but because it is a perfect illustration of the way Britain absorbs and adapts external influences. If Glasgow succeeds in claiming tikka masala, the city might soon see competition from another curry. The city of Birmingham in central England has started its own campaign to claim the origin of balti, another dish popular throughout Britain. This is from AFP. Chicken tikka masala, Scottish? Haggis? English? I don't know. What about chutney? Chop me, 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 chop me
Uh, yes, that's a chutney bacchanal right here. Oh, I should have mentioned, if you're going to shake your boom boom, do it responsibly. Oh, too late, isn't it? I'm sorry. This is Pandora's Lunchbox. It's sort of a show about food. We've talked about humongous fungus and how it produces little button mushrooms, honey mushrooms that are really tasty. The humongous fungus fest up in Crystal Lake in the Upper Peninsula. We also mentioned West Virginia's largest yard sale, so don't miss that either. And we've also talked about uh, some food, some calypso music, and some other things. Now, I do want to mention something that's actually a little closer to home, because you can actually do this if you're in town. It is the Farmer's Market, the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market's 90th birthday. And they're going to have a celebration this weekend. The Farmer's Market will have from, this is from annarbor.com, they're going to have from about 9 a.m. till 1, there will be kids a kid's booth for face painting and a scavenger hunt with a market theme. There will also be a big birthday cake starting at about 11 a.m., and there will be gelato from a certain local creamery whose name will remain unmentioned, and you'll figure it out when you get there. That is at the Farmer's Market near Carytown, and it's the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market is celebrating its 90th birthday. This is a kind of Farmer's Market Awareness Week, as a matter of fact, I was just reading, and so there is also many choices. The Ypsilanti Farmer's Market on Saturdays at the Ypsilanti Freight House near Depot Town, and there's a downtown farmer's market on Michigan Avenue close to Hamilton in Ypsilanti. So we are lucky to have so many choices in the area. Well, I've just heard from Arwolf. Arwolf will be helping us to face the music in just a few minutes at 7 o'clock. And he's going to be dedicating much of his show to William Bochum, the composer and musical archivist. The professor is, is retiring from the University of Michigan after many, many years. And yes, I... Uh, Arwolf is making piano, piano miming, and so I, I forgot the word piano, as a matter of fact. Thank you. Great yeah, pianist. Great pianist as well. And he's going to be dedicating this show in many ways to William Bolcom, much music by William Bolcom. In the meantime, I do want to mention again the Farmer's Market coming up on the weekend, the Ann Arbor Farmer's Market having an, an anniversary. And we're going to wrap up here with another Calypso tune. Oh, wait, first of all, here's the deal. Uh, I'm really going to have to stretch to make this actually fit the food theme, but... I'm up to the challenge. Okay. This next tune, we're going to go way back for this piece of Calypso music. This is from a collection called Calypso Ladies, 1926 to 1941. Hear the sound of the CD as I'm frantically trying to get it in. Oh, that was good. Ouch. To get that in order. Um, Here is the information. Track 22. Here it comes. Yes. This was recorded in 1936, September 20th. So we're almost at the anniversary. This is Gerald Clark and his Caribbean serenaders. And it is Marguerite. Why is that about food? Because you could drink a margarita while you're listening to this. <clears throat> also, there's, all, there's the margarita pizza, which does not have margarita juice drink of any kind in it. But it does include such toppings as olive oil, onion, parsley, clove, garlic, oregano, tomato, basil leaves, mozzarella, olive oil, black pepper, and salt. A nice margarita pizza while you drink your margarita and listen to a song called Marguerite by Gerald Clark and his Caribbean Serenaders. This has been Pandora's Lunchbox for at least some time now. I've been Mike. Thank you for allowing me to be that. Enjoy yourself this weekend. Try not to get too burned out on Sunday's 90-degree weather day, but if you do enjoy some Calypso music, it'll feel really good. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. See ya. That sounds good, but strangely not like 1936. I loved that. That was great. Let's try this now. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. Yeah, that's it.
of 7 o'clock. This is WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, 88.3 megahertz. Experimental, experiential radio from the University of Michigan, run by students with lots of community involvement. It's time for Face the Music, and tonight I'd like to pick up where I abruptly left off last week and give you a, a bona fide tribute to William Bolcom, who's uh, been uh, working at the University of Michigan as an educator and also 